Hello everyone, forgive me for the extended song in the intro, but uh, I'm legally obliged to play the whole song. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Jolly Jones Pam. I'm Doom Train Joel. And I'm Limit Break Julia. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VIII. Now, I was thinking about how we would structure this because what I definitely don't want to do is like, okay, so here's the story. <laughs> and we go through the whole thing. I feel like, um, especially since the story is so involved, what I kind of want to do... So I've kind of written a, quite, uh, a list of like prompts for things about it um, for us to talk about as opposed to just like running through the whole thing. Mm. Because A, it's too big, and um, B, I don't want a, this to be a fucking review show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so first, uh, 
I'll, I'll mention some things about Final Fantasy. So, um, oh, but, 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 but in having said that, uh, since we, we will touch on parts of the story, but I'm not going to go through the story. Uh, if you haven't played the game, go play it. Um, but it might, if you haven't played it, um, this conversation might be a bit harder. Uh, well, hopefully not. Hopefully with my prompts it won't be. But we're not going to be really touching on the story chronologically, if that makes sense. So it might be a bit harder if you don't know the game itself. But fun, if you're worried about having to play the first seven Final Fantasies, don't worry. Um, the Final Fantasy is an anthology, anthology series, with some very small exceptions. And... Um, has spun off to many, uh, many spin-off games. There are many, many Final Fantasy games on basically every system. It's a huge powerhouse. Now, Squaresoft, uh, back in the day, back in the mid-80s, uh, were making, like, racing games and st stuff like that. But they were kind of having, like, financial woes. And, um, I don't remember the developer's name. I'm just going to talk about Square as opposed to the specific uh, developer um, that everybody knows the name for except for me. Um, in, like, 1987, decided to make a role-playing game to sort of um, come up against Dragon Quest, if you know those games. Um, but because they were having, like, financial woes, he decided to name the title Final Fantasy because this was, like, their final attempt basically. The swan song, if you will. Yeah, and uh, it ended up being a giant success, that's why we're all, all the games now. Um, and yeah, they're all they're all set in different worlds with different characters. There are sometimes tiny easter eggs, um, but generally speaking, they're all separate. Uh, so yeah, don't worry about playing the first seven. Mm, I haven't, so... It worked out just fine. A few years ago, I haven't, I hadn't actually played a lot of Final Fantasy games, but nowadays I've played a few. So I've beaten, nowadays I've beaten six, seven, eight. I haven't beaten nine, but I may as well have. Ten. Eleven is the MMO, so we don't talk about it. Twelve, I've played like seventy-five percent of. Thirteen, I've beaten. Fourteen's an MMO. Uh, Fifteen, I've beaten, and I've played and beaten uh, some of the spin-off games as well. So I've actually played quite a few. Uh, besides, like, the very early ones. Um, before that, that list used to be 8 and 7 and 15. That, that's what... And 13. Hmm. I think I played... I thought I got about halfway through Final Fantasy 7, but having played Final Fantasy 8 and realising just how long it is, I might have only got a quarter of the way through. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy it, but as we famously know... I don't like turn-based games. For some reason, the <laughs> science is still trying to find out to this day. Uh, so I never really, I never really like gelled with it. But like, it, you can't live in society without having at least heard of Final Fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. It's so famous. Uh, so I chose Final Fantasy VIII for a few reasons. Um, the first being, it is my favorite Final Fantasy. If we're not counting FF14, but that's cheating because it's an MMO. Um, I like the characters. I also feel like, um, well, it's always kind of been my favorite, but I, the, the view it has in the public is one of like kind of disdain, especially for a specific character, uh, which I feel like is just, uh, collective misbelief. Like somebody said a thing that wasn't true and then a bunch of people parroted it and now it's like kind of formed a truth that's not true. The fanon. 
Um, so I kind of want to cover it. Wanted to cover it for that. I wanted you to see a Final Fantasy game. I know you'd mentioned you'd already mentioned to me that you played uh, a bit of seven, but uh, like let's actually go through a game. And uh, I just love that game, and I kind of just got in the mood to play it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm glad we went through it. I had a lot of fun, especially because uh, we did all the voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this game came out in, I believe, I'm, I might get my dates wrong, but I believe it's 1998, it might have been 97 Japan, 98 West, uh, on the PlayStation 1, uh, so we don't have voice acting, uh, uh, and it was uh, developed by Square Soft, now Square... Squeenix! Square Enix, <laughs> yeah, Squeenix. I love that, that's such like, in gaming, quote unquote, that's like a term people use. I, I do love that you'd never heard it before, so when I said Squeenix, you were like, what? Squeenix! I love Squeenix! Um, but, but yeah, uh, yeah, it came out in like 1998, so prime time for Joel when he was nine years old. Um, and yeah, so no voice acting, and yeah, we did all, we did all our voices. You uh, are much better at it than I am. I've done... <laughs> Uh, okay, so I've streamed a lot of old games, which means I, like, I've done a lot of streams where I do all of the voices for everyone, and I have to do lots of different voices. So, uh, I kind of use I'm kind of used to it. Although, <laughs> a lot of my villains end up sounding like Skeletor from Hitman. <laughs> um, no, it was it was fun. Uh, I, I think we divvied up the characters pretty well. Tried to go fairly evenly. I think my favorite was Irvine because I tried to do a. Really bad southern accent, y'all! <laughs> and then when we're choosing between Kuros and Ward, I, I let you choose, and you said you want to do Kuros, I'm like, great, I, I won't have to do Ward. Cause yeah, because Ward doesn't talk. He, he loses his voice uh, somewhat through the game, and I'm like, oh cool, it's a character I don't have to do. Um, but yeah, so there's like a there's a little bit there to just say like what Final Fantasy is like. Um, most of them are turn-based games. They all vary in mechanics, um, in aesthetics, in story pretty heavily. Uh, notably, Final Fantasy VIII was, um, uh, there's a very famous developer that worked on, like, Up Until Seven, and he executive produced this game. Uh, so he, and specifically in interviews with the development team is that they wanted to make something very different, uh, in tone from previous Final Fantasies. They're a lot more serious. Um, this one's definitely a story about love, but more specifically, what do you do once you fall in love? What's that like? Like, what happens after that? Um, how do you deal with, with all of those emotions? I it, mean, obviously what happens is you become a time-traveling sorceress, <laughs> that's, that's uh, true. and deal with your problems that way. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Through world domination. <laughs> <laughs> Through time compression. Um... So yeah, it definitely went for a different tone. Um, much more popular with the uh, female demographic, especially in Japan. Uh, probably uh, because of the, the love story element. But, I mean, men also uh, loved it as well. Um, I mean, it outsold Final Fantasy VII. Really? I, yeah. Ah. But uh, I think a lot of that comes back to the reputation Final Fantasy had been building over time. Um yeah. <laughs> we'll get into Squall <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> uh, also, we should add that we played the remastered? Yeah, there's yeah. no differences. I mean, well... The, the difference is the, the avatars 
look a lot cleaner. But yeah, the, the avatars are the avatars are HD. Not all of them, mm. um, but the main ones. Um, all thank God, all of the pre-rendered backgrounds are still the same. Which for nineteen ninety eight, holy shit, it looks gorgeous. Um, the cutscenes are incredible. Yes. So, um, Square has always been, well, besides nowadays, they've always been leaders in, like, uh, cinematics. Uh, the sort of shit they were doing was incredible. I don't know if you've ever seen Advent Children, but it's a pretty big deal. Um, but even, like, when Final Fantasy VII came out, the way those characters looked, uh, was incredible. Even though they look like little Dorito people. Um, I love the little Dorito people. Even the cutscenes, they look like little Dorito people. And then, like, two years later, or whatever it was, um, when Final Fantasy VIII comes out, you had more realistic-looking... Like, no one had any... No one had ever seen anything like this before. Absolutely incredible. Um, and they still super hold up today. So not just the pre-rendered backgrounds, which are paintings and are beautiful... But then you have these cutscenes that totally hold up. And some of them you can still move in. <laughs> yeah. And like, now we understand why this thing came on six discs when it first uh, came Four out. discs. I thought it was six. Four. Oh, four discs. Baldur's Gate is six discs. Oof. Um, but yeah, so... How uh, many discs do you think Elden Ring would fit on? What, do you mean like a standard... 600 like if, if it was to come out in 1998 would it be like 24 discs uh i mean we could do them uh, sorry a uh, uh, cd rom 700 meg so how big is elden ring does it tell you local files it's 50 gigs so just divide 50,000 by 700 don't ask me to do math. It's that many discs. It's that many discs. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard. Hold on. It's it's still I vibe fifty by seven, so it's seven. Okay. Oh yeah. Seventy that's... seventy discs. Oh, seventy discs. Well, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Fifty uh, k <laughs> divided by seventy, or seven hundred fourteen discs. Is one right? one boss pitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I did the wrong maths. That should be by seven hundred because it's seven hundred meg. Hold on, one more time. It would be, it would be seventy one. I was right. It was it, it's it's seventy one point four, um, discs. Amazing. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, a lot of those discs are cinematics. Um, the thing that uh, forced, the thing that discs when we when we moved to discs, uh, CD ROMs, for games and and lots of different things, not just games. Um, the thing that it opened it up to was now we can have sound, we can have media, we could, we could have audio. Audio and video takes up so much size. When you're doing cartridges that have like no memory at all, like they had to, they had character limits, especially on the NES. Like translation, when you were translating a game from Japanese to English, it was really difficult because kanji takes up so much memory. It takes up so little memory, but English takes way more. So you have to start cutting, chopping. And that's like where a lot of like translation, especially early on, translation issues came in. That's so interesting. I never thought of that. Uh, so you were really, really limited uh, on memory for like things like text and everything. Um, audio. That's why there was MIDI players. It would actually be playing the song. 
in real time as opposed to like playing a track, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but then like when we go to discs, suddenly we have all this space. We can do a lot. So we, we start working with uh, a lot of audio, a lot of uh, music and video specifically. Uh, speaking of music, this is the first Final Fantasy game to have an orchestra. Like, an actual oh. orchestra. All the other ones have MIDI soundtracks. Technically, FF8 has a MIDI sound. Just Let's not talk about it. It has orchestral pieces, um, which uh, I guess I can ask about now. How did you feel about the music in the game? I tend to not pay attention to music in games a lot, um, but the music I did pay attention to, I really loved. And, mm-hmm. like, the battle music's really great. Uh, so, Force Your Way. Yeah, yeah, the overhead world the ding 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 dong like i i would dream about that uh of course eyes on me (laughs) very nice i love eyes on me uh it's the climax song of the entire game for a lot of different reasons and so much so that square okay so like playstation has this feature where it's always recording and um this happens a lot like in like atlas games like persona it will stop recording, like, the developer can say stop recording here, because we don't want you, like, publishing videos on it, but people just use capture cards, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, when it plays the song in FF8, I don't know if you noticed that it, the, the, like, Squared said we're stopping recording here. Cause they, I noticed because we were entering a cutscene, I didn't kind of realise it stopped with the music. No, because when that music comes in with the lyrics, we had been hearing the song mm. throughout the game, but when it came in with the lyrics, it's just like, this is a blocked scene yeah. for recording, which is kind of funny for a game that's like 24 years old. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I love the music in this. Yes, it's beautiful. It's uh, great. Um, I listen to it a lot. Um, Eyes on Me is one of those songs that if you catch me in the right mood, it will make me cry. Um, I love like Man with the Machine Gun, which is Lunaguna's theme. I love Force Your Way, which is Squall's theme. I love Maybe I'm a Lion, which is... Uh, the song specifically when you're fighting Griever at the end. Um, I, I think the music's fantastic. And, oh, Libet... I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. It's Latin. Uh, Liberté Fatale. Um, that song's fantastic. That's the opening song. Uh, it means Children of Fate. Um, Isn't that also a Final Fantasy film? Children of something? Oh no, it's Advent Children. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a Final Fantasy VII movie. Um, I, I want to go into it, but like Children of Fate is like a really fitting um, song to be the main theme of the of the game. Uh, but also like, I don't know the name of the song, but the the sorceress theme, the Fearthos. Oh yeah, how did I forget again with that? like the orchestra? Um, it, it's they were doing a lot of cool shit. In, in 98 for um, Final Fantasy, so a lot of reasons why I love the game there.
guess, um... I guess the bulk of, like, what we'll be talking about here, because it's a Final Fantasy game, it's really, like, characters, character tropes, and character development. So I kind of just, like, wanted to go through the characters, just, like, ask you how you felt about them. So, should we save Squall for now or later? Uh, save Squall to last. Alright. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll go through them. So, uh, in, um, appearance order. So, Quisty. Quisty! How do you feel about Quistus? She is cute. She, she's the, um, she's the Yandere, <laughs> if I'm getting that right. Uh, probably Sundere. Oh, uh, yeah, Sundere. The, where they mean at the beginning, but they, like, have a soft pubic center. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like, it. she's adorable. Um, she absolutely has it for school. <laughs> yeah, um, so Quistus being, uh, to give a brief, very brief, um, setting for what we're talking about here, um, Squall, a man character, is at a, essentially school, it's, it's like, like a, a military school. It's a military school, it's like a private militia, um, and to become a seed is to basically become a member of their private military that goes out and does jobs and stuff like that. What does SEED stand for again? It doesn't stand Uh, for anything. (laughs) It's because they're called Gardens. Gardens, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, Quistus is one of the instructors, which she uh, eventually quits or loses her job, I guess, um, very early on in the game. But, um, she, like, people talk about, oh, she's such a young teacher. I think she's, like, 19. Yeah, she is such a young teacher. Yeah, but... <laughs> she acts like she's 30. <laughs> she does act like she's very, uh, mature. Um, yeah, she definitely has a thing for Squall. Mm. Like, a thousand percent. Um, at one point, like, Squall dances with Renoa, but he's, like, not really into it. Because Renoa, a theme of this is, like, Renoa is, like, pulling Squall out of his comfort zone. And, like, when Quistus, like, orders Squall to to go on a walk with her, um, one of the things that she says when they have a conversation is just, like, oh, so you'll dance with some random, but you you won't even talk to me. Um, so, yeah. She takes him to, like, make out point. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) It's just, like, we see you, Quistine. We know what you're doing. She wants that day. Um... Unfortunately, I don't think there's, like, besides her being, like, the mature one of the group, I don't really think there's a lot going on with Quistus. She no. drops the I want to fuck Squall stuff pretty quick. Um, like, when Renoa gets involved. And then sort of, like, roots for her. Um, She's, like, the mum of the group. That's but kind not of the, all she is, yeah. Not the mum, like, my wife, Aqua. Uh, but the mum, like, the stern mum. Yeah, that's it. But, unfortunately, I feel like that's it. Yeah, it is kind of it. She the the one time I think it comes up in a really good way is um there's a point and we'll get into this when we talk about Squall or, or Renoa or both. There's a point where Squall is basically like, I'll do anything to save Renoa. And then Renoa's just like, nah, it's probably better if I get locked up. And he goes, Okay, since you said so. And then she gets taken away, and Quistus is the one that's just like, Are you fucking stupid? Yeah. <laughs> like, get off your ass and I don't care what you have to do. You're not going to let her get taken away. And he goes, you know what? Like, it snaps him back into reality. So I actually really like that scene from Quistus. Mm. But other than that, she's kind of just like the one in the room that says the adult thing. Yeah. I do like that she talks down to Renoa a bunch uh, in <laughs> disc two. 
Uh, in disc two, Renault is just like, she wants like a revolution. She wants like a lot of things to go her way, but like, it's kind of just doing it all on the fly. And Quizus is just like, think, think for a fucking <laughs> second about what you're doing. And I actually do like the conversation. Mm. It kind of wakes up Renault a little bit. Not really, but I actually do like the way, like Quizus feels bad afterwards and then goes to apologize to her. Which causes more problems, but um, I, I do like that scene. Like sometimes, I remember one time my stepmom was like really mean to me, um, which is odd because she's like a, the nicest person in the world, and um, I kind of needed to hear mm. what she'd said, and I'm glad that she did, and I kind of felt like that in that scene, because and then she felt bad about it afterwards, but like. Renoa also needed to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's how I feel about Quistus. I also think her outfit sucks. I love her outfit! Also, she's a redhead, so I'm instantly she's blonde. like... She's extremely she... blonde. It... She looks like a redhead. She's blonde. Whatever. She's hot, okay? I don't think... I think yeah, Quistus sure. is hot. Okay. <laughs> Alright, next up in our appearance order is our very excitable Zell. How do you feel about Zell? I mean, he he's kind of the same as Quistus in that he doesn't, like, have a lot, but he, his trope that he feels is, like, the class clown. Yeah, a little. I suppose. It would um, be right. I love Zell, though. His, like, the face tattoo mm-hmm. is really cool. I, I think it directly inspired by Mike Tyson. It's, like, almost the same design. Mm. Like, I love his limit break, the little, like, mini fighting game thing you do. Yeah, you, like, you punch in, like, uh, different combos. You get a list... Uh, presented to you it's semi-random there's actually a, an order to it uh but yeah it might be like press up circle down x triangle square and then you'll do a specific move like the dolphin kick yeah and he, the dolphin kick i forgot the dolphin kick is the funniest it just seems so random but no zell is like the cute comic relief guy um and i yeah he, I don't think he, he ever precious. really... precious. He's so precious. I don't think he ever really steps out of that role, unfortunately. No, he doesn't. Oh, well, he does a couple of times. There are a few times in the game where he's extremely knowledgeable. And then Scroll essentially turns to him and goes, nobody asked. <laughs> but thank you. And he's like, no worries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's very excitable. But, like, he actually knows, like, a bunch of history and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. Like, it's like mm. kind of like an ongoing thing. Uh, where he'll just sort of go into these, like, really detailed, like, political history rants. Um, he talks about it when, um, he talks about the liberation, I mean, the, the war between Timber and Galbadia, and how they've basically been annexed for 17 years. He does it later with, like, the Deep Sea Research Centre. He, he's actually, like, a super knowledgeable dude. Mm. I think if, if, like, we were magically transported into the game, I'd want to be a Quistus, but I'm a Zell. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm overly excitable and weirdly knowledgeable about things. Mm-hmm. And I would also have a cool surfer bro voice. And a, yeah. And a face tattoo. <laughs> hey, I've already got the back to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, next in uh, appearance order is Selfie. Please, please give us a taste of the Selfie voice. Oh my god, wow, look at you. I just love your shoes and your mascara. <laughs> I love Selfie. She, I hated her at first, um, but I she grew on me a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> she's just so adorable, <laughs> and I love. Yeah, the she's thing very. <laughs> I, I I feel like she's a bit. She is the youngest of the group. I think she's sixteen. 
like Squall's 18, Quistus is 19. Uh, we're dealing with like adults almost. Um, she is the youngest, but she's definitely more. I don't want to say immature. She's just more childish. Yeah. Than others. Yeah. Um, and I just I like trains. She does like trains. Oh, uh, and the cute little thing she has with Irvine is adorable. What do you mean? They have that little thing going. Like he's really into her. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more like an Irvine thing than anything. Yeah, fair. Um, and it was it was really I really started to like her after. Um, what, what was her garden? After that, Trabia. After that gets destroyed. Yeah. Um, and they go back and like she's still her. She's still like doing, but she's obviously like she's also obviously very caring. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, even to do with um, Balam Garden, the one that she's, like, uh, what would be the word, exchanged to, um, she's very involved and caring. Like, she wants to put on, she she instantly becomes part of the school committee and wants to put on a festival for everybody. Like, and when her festival gets destroyed, when Galbadia Garden attacks Balam Garden, she's, like, destroyed. And that's why, like, the group has that little show in Fisherman's Horizon. It's like, to, it's not just for Squall and Renault, it's for Selfie, because, like, she puts so much work into, you know, having some sort of thing that everybody could enjoy. Hmm. So. And, again, there's kind of not much else. Most of, most of the cast really doesn't have a lot going on, but it's not because they're not interesting characters, it's because they don't really experience any character growth. Um, I mean, mm. they, like, they... They do, well, but they're not on... I feel like one of the cool things is, like, about this, besides, like, obviously Squall, um, these characters are all kind of already realised. Yeah, right? yeah, there you go. Um, and then we get to focus our um, character development on, like, Squall and Cypher and Renoa. Mm. The other people, um, yeah, they don't have growth, but it's because they've, like, they've clearly already done a bunch of growing, uh, which I think is, I think is cool. Yeah. Uh, her outfit and her hair. I I think it's adorable. I don't love the like color. Yellow. Like, the her ultimate weapon or whatever is red nunchucks, right? And she's got the. It just the color scheme doesn't really match. Oh yeah, the initial nunchucks aren't red, but yeah. Yeah, it's um. I don't. So I don't. I like. I like it on its own, but I don't. It doesn't gel with me visually for the rest of the. Stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Meh. <laughs> uh, next that comes up in chronological order is Renoa. So Should we save Renoa till second last, maybe? Or... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, then we have... I'm just doing main cast, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have Irvine. I love Irvine. I hate his outfit. I love his outfit. Irvine is hot. He has, like, <laughs> pelvis windows. <laughs> I would have to look at a photo I never noticed. I like his jacket more. Yeah, his jacket's cool. He's, well, trench coat, I guess. He's, yeah. He has pelvis windows. Now, for those, if anybody's listening and you know the name Nomura, all these are Nomura designs. Um, and then now, if you know that person, and now you've heard me say that name, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, and no more needs to be said. I guess I'm doing a Google later. Um. <laughs> it... Think about Kingdom Hearts characters and how they look. Yeah. Now think about Final Fantasy VIII characters and how they look. Oh, is it Nomura's the like the designer? The character designer. Character yeah. designer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. No. I just I love it. I 
I just, I really like him, and I like his little arc that happens, and I really liked doing the Southern accent. I do like what happens um, story-wise with him. He's like the one person who remembers. So, um, just referring to the story for a little bit, there's a there's a type of energy source that you can like equip called a Guardian Force, or a GF, and... Um, it's said in the game, if you go looking for it, that it, like, can cause memory loss, and this becomes a huge plot detail later. And Irvine um, never junctioned... Oh, I should say... I'm just going to say the word junction. He never junctioned any Guardian forces, so he actually remembers his past. And he knows that all of these main characters know each other. They all grew up together, in fact. Um, but none of these characters know that. So it's interesting watching him interact with everybody, uh, with hindsight, knowing what he knows. Um, uh, I, there was many times throughout the story where I was like, red alert, Julia, red alert. And one of them was when he went to snipe Adia and he couldn't do it. Mm. And he missed. Well, he actually didn't miss. She um, actually made a perfect shot. She just happened to block it. Um, but Squall's like, what the fuck? You're the sniper of the group. You're supposed to be an incredible sniper and you're getting nerves now? It's because he's about to shoot his mum, dude. Like, um, But Squall doesn't know that. No one else knows that. But you can see that, that they're laying it throughout the story mm. um, beforehand, which I think is pretty cool. It's also why he has like a, such a big attachment to Selfie, because he did when they were kids. So hitting on his sister is uh, pretty cool. I just, I love him so much. Next, let's talk, and I'll talk about, um, there's more to talk about, but let's talk about Laguna, I feel. So, Laguna is a character that exists in present time, but really, his story exists in the past. Mm. And we go through his story, there's a character that, like, takes your consciousness and takes it to the past. And you don't know this is what's happening for a good while in the mm. game, but th this is what's happening, and, um, you experience... Laguna's history. Um, what would you say you like about Laguna? Oh, gosh. I don't know. There's a lot to like about Laguna. He's, he's like, not too serious, but also, you know, knows what he's doing, sort of. I don't think he knows what he's doing. Maybe not knows what he's doing, but, like, he, he takes... He takes like, command. I feel like he's extremely charismatic. Yeah, very charismatic. Um, Everyone says, even though he makes really poor decisions, he does it with, with such gusto that people fall in line behind him. Uh, and I, I would I would label that as charisma, probably. He ends up leading a nation <laughs> later on in the game, so... I'd say he's the most, like... If everyone else is a trope, he's the closest to, like, an actual human being mm -hmm. in the game. Yeah. Uh, I just like him. <laughs> I do like, um, 
there's a point in his life where he could like settle down with rain and raise alone right this uh woman he's met who already has a daughter mm. um who's he's extremely good with kids and um she knows that like he wouldn't be satisfied because he he has too much taste for adventure so they end up parting ways it reminds me of the ending of Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood uh, in a lot of really good ways uh it's like I like that sort of like happy sadness uh it's sad that we're going but it's so glad that we were together mm. and like allowing allowing the people to be separate is like love in a different type of way do you know what I mean yeah and unfortunately they never get to see each other again I but... don't like that at all I yes I think as a story it's really cool but as a person who really likes happy endings, yeah. I'm just like, but I wanted them to be but, together. But it kind of, like... Like, it is a happy ending. It is a happy ending. It yeah, is, Rain but, dies. Yeah. And, like, that's terrible and everything. That cutscene, oh gosh, I was on the verge of crying. That was so sweet. Well, this is, this is why... So, we should talk about Laguna a bit. Mm. So, this game kind of got rushed. And one of the things they really wanted to do was actually have you play basically half of the game as Laguna. You can kind of see this in the way that you interact with Laguna throughout the game. And it was essentially supposed to be two world maps, like one 17 years ago and like one now. Um, and that's why Laguna gets such a heavy emphasis at the end of the game. Like, you're watching this cutscene about all the most important characters and like a good... a good maybe 40% of that cutscene is dedicated directly to Laguna. Mm. It's like, bro, we've had like three flashbacks with you. Like what's going on? Um, so you can see, you can see the elements where Laguna was supposed to be a much bigger deal. And the, the, um, developers even said, if we ever did anything more for Final Fantasy VIII, it would be a Laguna driven thing. Like you'd be playing as Laguna and squ like Squall's story is done, you know? Cross fingies. Oh, it will never happen. But... <laughs> Um, I think Laguna's really confident. I think he's unabashedly himself. I think he's not afraid to be nervous. Mm. Um, I think he's very funny. Yes, he's very funny. Um, I love his little scene with Julia. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's very, it's cute, and their little interaction is just really, it, the whole thing is adorable. Yeah, and, he, like, um, very... That's, I mean, that's what the song Eyes on Me is about. Yeah. So, like, you get to live through the experience of Laguna going to the bar. He's like, oh, guys, I'm really thirsty. And they're like, yeah, okay. Like, we know you just want to go to the hotel so you can see Julia play. Yeah, so he is thirsty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they go to the bar and they're like, come on. You know, they're like nudging him. Come on, finally, go talk to her. And um, Laguna goes up and he... He starts cramping. His legs starts cramping. He can't do it. Mm. And then she takes the initiative after the song's over and comes and talks to him. And they end up having, like, a really good night together. Um, and, like, when he, like, opens up a little bit, he's, like, one of the... He's kind of like me. He just rambles. It's like, once you get him talking, they don't shut the fuck up. Mm. And she really likes that. And, unfortunately, they never see each other again. But one of the things that she says, because uh, she's a piano player, one of the things she says is, like... I want to be a singer too, but I just don't have any inspiration to write a song. And then the song Eyes On Me is the song that she finally wrote, and it's about interacting with him. And I'll have that song in full in this podcast, so when it plays, listen to the lyrics, because it's kind of beautiful. It's a... 
It's so beautiful. It, it's it's like, song to play on the wedding day. Beautiful. Like, yeah, it's, it's really just, nice. Oh. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> say, you know, you had your eyes on me sitting across from the bar. Like, she's talking about her on the piano and everything. Uh, it's it's very, it's very nice. It's just lovely. Uh, unfortunately, all the women, uh, Laguna... Uh, falls in love with Di in this game, so she is also dead in the current era. Oh yeah, shit, he's cursed. He is cursed. But um, luckily, Alone gets to live. I guess we should talk about Alone. We yeah. should talk about Alone, yeah. Um, so Spelled Alone... with E-L. <laughs> yeah, L and A. <laughs> um, I mean, Alone also... Oh, so I didn't mention it earlier, but they all grew up at an orphanage, all the mm. main characters. And Alone did too. And actually, it's good that I'm bringing this up because we'll segue into Squall when we when we get there, uh, which is not a segue, but you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's a good foundation. Um, Squall and her were extremely close, uh, probably because they're brother and sister biologically. Um, bah, bah, bah. Well, I guess they're half brother and sister. Um, and she ends up leaving the orphanage to protect herself. Um, because the sorceress is, like, looking for specific young women to, like, basically take control of. And she has this, like, really, um, unique power that allows her to send people to the past. So she has to go into hiding. And Squall loses his lifeline when he's, like, five years old or something. When he's incredibly young. Sis? Yeah, and it, like, scars him. Um, for the rest of his life. And, um... We'll get into that when we talk about Squall, but this is extremely important to know. Mm. Other than that, she's kind of just like... I mean, how would you describe her? She kind of just exists as a plot element, I Elunix think. Machina, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she kind of just exists as a plot element. Yeah, and I don't... I don't think she has much of a personality. Her design or anything. Oh, you it's don't like her little... The shawl, shawl rap thing? Yeah, she, she's like... Uh, she's a character. She exists. Yeah. She's much cuter as a kid. Oh, yeah, and then I did, like, a little girl voice. Papa Laguna! That's Anki Laguna. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's pretty cool. Mm. We've got a couple left now. I know we're going through a lot of characters. Oh, we got... Don't forget Cypher. He's it's on the list. Okay. Chill out. Um, I don't... I feel like a lot more could have been done with Cypher. Yeah, no, I feel pretty nothing about Cypher, to be honest. Um, I, I like his whole my dream thing that's mm -hmm. really cool um i forgot about him for half the game because he does fuck because he kind of disappears you can kind of see how this game was rushed a little bit mm. and like, like i don't i don't even remember if we got closure for cypher at all like we had his, the final fight and then he's just gone uh he's in the final cutscene. he's chill. oh yeah he's, he's, he's chill like with everybody chilling with him. yeah but yeah. what happened between that like <sighs> i do like that his friends say a lot more about Cypher than he does. Mm. The friends are like his posse, I guess. They're like, we're always going to be behind Cypher. And as Cypher goes further and further down a dark road, like they keep following him up to a point and then they s Squall and gang get there and they're just like, aren't you going to fight us? And they go, no, we're not going to fight you. And they're like, well, aren't you going to, you said you were going to be with Cypher forever. I'm like we are, and we need you to help mm. because like, He's so far gone right now that it's only going to be you guys that are going to be able to stop him. Uh, so we are looking out for him. Mm -hmm. And if that means almost murdering him, then 
I guess that's what you have to do. So I think his friends say a lot more about him than he does. I could go on about Cypher for like a good hour. I really like a lot of things going on with him, but I'd have to talk about the entire story to do that. So mm. I think I'll just leave it there. I think his outfit is lit. Oh, his outfit? Amazing. He the, looks like a knight. That moment in the final boss battle where he like slices Odin in half. Oh, hell yeah. Fucking amazing. I don't know if you noticed, but his as the game goes on, his like jacket gets more and more tattered. I didn't know. Like, he's pushing himself harder and harder. Ah. But, like, he's got, like, big crosses on his trench coat. And he, he kind of looks like a knight. And he's always wanted to be a knight. It all fits yeah. with the theme. Um, he's super cool. Oh, yeah. He, he's really cool. Ultimately a disappointment. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah. I, I feel like the... the, the I th- feel like it's, the, it's clear that the developers wanted to do a lot more with him. But, unfortunately, couldn't. Because mm. um, there's so much groundwork built for him specifically that they just don't go into i don't think that's it's too much on purpose for it to be anything other than time crunch unfortunately all right renoa i fucking hate (laughs) renoa a lot of people do and i i can understand why uh i hate I, i hate her personality but i i love her because of how she interacts with squall see that's one of the reasons I don't like it. Um, it's interesting, the conversation we had before this podcast, because one of the things I don't like about Renoa is that she is constantly pushing for, like, physical contact and pushing Squall to immediately be out of the comfort zone, and I don't like people like that. I don't mm-hmm. like people who coyly ask for hugs and, you know, just... No, I don't. I don't like that whole that whole personality trait. Okay. Uh, so. So what you're saying is you hate a dog. No, dogs are allowed because they're dogs. <laughs> um, I love her dog. I love. I love Renoa's design. I love. Oh, so you like her outfit? I love her outfit. I love her limit break with the dog, especially when the dog just like fucking backflips. Yeah, like suplexes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. And, you know... Oh, an Invincible Moon, where, like, the yeah. doggo, she throws a treat up and he jumps across the moon and it's, like, E.T. for, like, a, a hot second. Angelo's great. Um, and, it, like, to a point, I do like her, her character development. And I do love what they have, like, mm. with her and Squall. Um, but, yeah, it I, just my IRL discomfort with those kind of people. Sure. I feel like um, the story being, like, with Squall's trauma and him getting out of his, um, ultimately it's about him getting out of his secluded, com- like mm. getting out of his comfort zone. You need a character to push. If, if that's the story you're telling is like, we have this person that's extremely secluded and only relies on themselves because of like completely understandable reasons. Um, if the story is him having a lot of personal growth, you kind of need a character like that. You're right. Um, I just, I don't know, I feel like there are other ways to do it than sure. any of that. Um, but, oh, also, when we first meet Renoa, she's so naive. I, um, but that is a character growth thing that... Yeah, she gets better good, at that later. It's a good aspect of the, the her story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I don't, I don't like her personally. Do you think she's hot? No. Really? <laughs> but she, that's just because she's not my type. What about when she's in the ballroom dress? 
I can't remember what the ballroom dress looked like. It shows how much I paid attention to well, Renoa. Think about the ending cinematic when she like puts her finger up and walks towards the camera like thirty thousand times. You oh that. yeah, um, it's adorable. I don't think she's hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh... But I can see why other people do. Mm-hmm. Well, she's I... very body pillowable. She's um. She looks fucking fragile. I feel like I break her. Yes, she does. So I hate the discourse around this character. Um, I've talked to you about this already, but we're doing a podcast, so I'll say it again. Um, so the the popular narrative about Squall is that he's like the terminology has changed, but the word that people used for him before is that he's just emo and boring. I don't understand that at all. Like that seems like such a reductive view of the character. Yeah, in disc one. Squall's extremely standoffish. Um, that's just objectively true. But, like... <laughs> I'm going to sound very arrogant. If you used your brain for, like, a second, and, like, maybe all these people that have this disdain for Squall just stopped playing at disc one. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, anything after that disc is literally him saying, I want to be close to people. He literally... he you see his thought process so much he's like i want to be close to people but i don't want to be uh i don't want to be like left alone again Mm. i don't want to like i've i have to rely on myself because there's no one else and if i put my trust into anybody else i can be let down so i'm just gonna keep everybody away and then he's just like but i want to but even though that's true i want friends i want somebody close to me and he struggles with it for, like, two and a half discs, and then he opens up completely. Just because he's standoffish in the first disc, I don't know how he's gathered, He's built this reputation of this guy who's just like, I'm edgy, and, like, I sit, like somebody opens up to me and you just say, whatever, and it's like, look how edgy he is. Like, that's not his character at all. The people whole- who agree with that discourse are the same people that don't understand trauma and think that therapy is a waste of time and you should just touch grass. Like, that's that's mm. just truth. <laughs> I just, uh... It's so dumb. <laughs> they, it's just like, they've taken an initial reading of a character and just dismissed all of the character growth that happened. Like, the, the story is about him opening up to people. Mm. That's what it's about. Like, yeah, there's a sorceress from the future and time compression... Those are things that happen, and that's the plot. That's not what the game's about. It's about Squall growing as a person, opening up and falling in mm. love. That's the, that's the story. And for so many people to have just have missed that, I, it, it bothers me. It bothers me, especially having played so many hours of it now. 
Um, and it's like, it it's so blatantly, it's just said outright. He's like, I want to be close to people. He, he spends a whole disc worrying about that. And then when Renoa goes into a coma... He, oh, he's he, so worried about it. Yeah, and he'll he literally he's like, I'll quit seed, I'll quit everything. I don't care. I'm dropping everything because this relationship that I've built is more important to me than anything. I am now making myself the most vulnerable I've ever been. Before he didn't want to bear anyone's burdens, right? Because he's afraid of being left alone. And then he literally bears the burden of Renoa as he carries her to another continent on mm-hmm. her, on his back. Like the metaphor is literal in this. It's just... <laughs> uh, I love him. He needs all the protection. He's beautiful. Um, and his design is fly. I think he's a very good-looking character. Very good-looking. Uh, I love his outfit. I love it. I love the feather motif throughout the entire game. I love the lion motif to do with him. Um, the gunblade is just really fucking cool. People meme on the gunblade. Uh, it's not dumb, okay? It's kind of dumb, but it's not. It's a gun. It's a blade. It's a gun blade. So the idea is, I don't know if I ever said this to you, when you pull the trigger, you're not shooting a bullet, right? You're shooting a knife? You're not shooting anything, right? It. Then why is it a gun? <laughs> it's just called a gun blade. It When you pull the trigger, the, the, the gunpowder goes off, and the idea is it's supposed to extremely vibrate the blade, so that it cuts through things easier. Oh, yes, we did talk about this, like, really early. So, now, <laughs> anyone who heard that description is just like, oh, come on. Yeah, that's no. kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of dumb, but, like, so is the Buster Sword from Final Fantasy VII. Like, dumb things are cool. I, I think it's super... I think the Gunblade's super cool. I, um, I will say, compared to, like, some of the other characters, and especially the GF moves, uh, mm-hmm. his Limit Break was actually not that exciting. You didn't like Lionheart? Uh, Lionheart, meh. Really? Like, it's, it's cool. So you don't like Renzakugan at it's all? Not, it's not I don't like. Like, they're cool. It's just, like, in comparison to fucking the end. <laughs> and, you know, Angelo in front of a moon. Like, it was... You know, it wasn't that it was not as cool. It just... It wasn't as... It wasn't as crazy. It's a shame you're so incorrect. <laughs> Renzakuken is the coolest fucking I loved I loved the unique Yeah, the, ones. He, he has unique one if you fight, if you use Renzakuken against certain enemies, there will be unique animations. Yes, those do, were cool. And like with those come like extra damage because he's doing more moves. Um, especially with very tall characters, he'll like hit them as he climbs up them, and then when he gets to the top, he'll like drag his sword down the entire body. Um, he does some really cool shit. Mm. And it was very fun watching you do that. Boom, 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 the yeah. trigger. So, like, with the gun blade, because uh, it's, like, pulling a trigger, if you time it right, and sometimes there's a visual... If On normal attacks, there's no indicator. When you're doing Renzakuken, there is. But if you pull... If you press R1, like, pulling a trigger, as he hits, you'll do extra damage. It's kind of like you're him pulling the trigger mm. as you hit, uh, which is... Kind of cool. It's so that it interactivity me, yeah. within a turn-based game. It's kind of like uh, in like Paper Mario, for example. Um, the game's designed around if you do, there are moves that you do, and if you like press a button at specific times, you'll do more damage. Or if an enemy attacks you, if you press a button at a specific time, you'll take less damage. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of becomes a rhythm game, uh, especially in Paper Mario, because the whole game's actually built around that mechanic. You could ignore that mechanic and be okay. But the game's built around it. It's, mm. it's pretty cool. 
Um, also, fun fact, uh, I was first introduced to Squall as Leon, because I played Kingdom Hearts, um, all of them recently, uh, and it's a real shame. Uh, Leon we is... We don't talk about... Leon is a sad discount, we Squall. We don't talk about Leon. <laughs> and I hate that they call him Leon. Like, his last name's Leonhart. Oh, that's why they call him... Well, no, in the on the Kingdom Hearts wiki, um, they, he, he's using it as a code name. But just call him Squall. I don't know why they don't call him yeah, Squall. Yeah, like, Aerith doesn't have a code name. Aerith is nothing in those games. Aerith, like, she just smiles at the camera. That's all she is. I mean, all the Final Fantasy characters are nothing in this well, game. Except maybe Sid. I quite like Sid. They uh, don't exist anymore. Like, the games aren't about the crossover anymore mm. it's all disney which is fine i mean it's disappointing but it is what it is we're not here to talk about fucking King <laughs> um yeah paul i we don't talk about leon in this house <laughs> um no i i think the the development that squall goes through uh is really good and it's a t- it's a type of thing that i guess we don't see a lot especially with like men right like, mm. this, like, opening up to, like, hyper-vulnerability. It's not, like, something... Especially, like, 1998 from a Japan from Japanese media. Um, I- I'm just really glad that it's there. Yes, Squall is the masculinity we need to see in the world. <laughs> Fucking true. And ironically true. Um, so, I really like Squall as a character. Um, not completely, but there are... Like, I relate, I relate to Squall mm. a bunch. Um, at different points of his character development... Uh, so I'm saying not just the start, but like at different points of his character development, I re- I relate to a lot of things like through my history and like uh, how I am. So mm. I actually really like him as a character. Interestingly enough, I'm just thinking about it. I think all of the men in this game are actually really good, like masculine character. Like Zell is you know, a pretty, like, action dude bro. But, like, he's a really great guy. Yeah, all the... Well, women are evil in this timeline. That's true. <laughs> women women can be sorceresses. But, and... like, you know, even Cypher, like, he's probably more traditionally the, like... Well, he's a bully, but, like, he's he's a bully in, like, a good way. Yeah. I, there's this really great scene, and this is why, like, I have to talk about the entire story to really get into Cypher. I think he's a fantastic character. Um... There's this scene where... So he's kind of like a bully. The, the game opens with Squall and him. They're like rivals. And they're in a training session. And they end up cutting each other's faces. Mm. So like, if you've ever seen... If you look up pictures of the game or you've played it, you see Squall's big scar on his face. It comes from Cypher. And Cypher has one that, um, in turn. And... Um, but there's like a respect for each other. And like, Cypher's like a big bully, especially to Zell. But like, when... Zell and Selfie and Squall pass their seed exam and Cypher doesn't. He doesn't have it at outburst. Mm. When they walk out, he starts clapping and then everyone joins in. Like, he has... He, he cares about these people. Um, he wants to self-improve, but he's going to also acknowledge the improvement of everyone around mm. him. I, he's fucking great, okay? <laughs> like, if I had to pick, you know, a game for role models or something like i I would be quite happy with Mm -hmm. any of the characters yeah because women suck and they're evil (laughs) well i mean the women included the like the depictions of the women are also quite joking i'm just saying yeah Yeah. i mean of course yeah we probably wouldn't pick the sorceress um yeah i guess uh 
don't know if there's anything... I, I could actually talk about Scroll for like an hour, but is there anything really big that you feel like you want to hit on? Not particularly. I mean, you're the one who has more background mm-hmm. with this game, so I don't have heaps more to add that is, you know, particularly interesting. Uh, I I quite... I, d- I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a really great pick, I, and I really enjoyed sum the up, Don't sum up yet. I'm not done. I'm not summing up yet. Just, like... I really enjoyed the whole experience, but I don't have a lot to add kind of thing because I haven't had as much exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought we could do is like kind of pick out moments that we liked from each disc. Sure. Um, just go through them sequentially. Actually, can't remember where this one ends. Yeah, let's no just, neither. Let's just say it's at the end of the Dalit mission, which is where you climb the communications tower, and then like let's just include the becoming a seed member afterwards. Were any standout moments to you? Just mm, one, not really, because they're all kind of establishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> I really liked the the mission where you go to Jurassic Park. They, uh, when Quistus orders you to go to make out point. Uh, I think so. But you go yep. into, like, that yeah, cave that's... and it's, uh, you fight a whole bunch of dinosaurs. It's not a cave. It's in the, it's in the school. I know what you're it talking about. It is in the school. Yeah. yeah. It's when Quistus orders you to go to make out yeah. point. It's through the training grounds. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, I really, whenever I talk about Final Fantasy VIII, I show off the cinematic from going to Dollet. Uh, I love that cinematic. It's the one where... It starts off with a bird's eye view of the ocean and the moon is reflected on the ocean and all the boats are going across so it looks like the boats are going across the moon mm. and then it goes down to like Squall's point of view and he's looking at the tower and he's looking at his briefing and the music's so good there's like a heart I want you to watch it actually <laughs> we'll pause and watch it but there's like a there's like a heart thump at the start it's like dun dun and then like the orchestra comes in Mm. it's so good uh and then like the um the boats go over like the the 
it crashes into like the port essentially and then crashes onto the land and then like like you were saying earlier it's seamless from cinematic to gameplay so the characters run out onto the beach and then you're just controlling the character and it's such a good fucking thing <laughs> um so that's one of my biggest standout moments from the dollar mission oh from the uh from the first uh from the first disc mm. I think most of my standout moments come from the later discs. Like well, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, well, hold on. We'll get there. Well, I don't know which discs were oh, which. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, that's, things I'm are going to be out of order. Um, yeah, so, no. Disc one, I'm kind of meh. All right. Disc two uh, ends when the fight between the Galbadian Garden happens. So when Galbadian Garden crashes into uh, Balam Garden. So, oh, yes. Right. So everything included in this is... Um, Oh, sorry. Disc one ends with the assassination attempt on Idea. Okay, so that with Irvine. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the cutscene where they like run the, through the, the crowd. Festival? Yeah, yeah, that was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was all over that shit, and like Renoa's getting possessed, and stuff is going wild. She gets like thrown around the room. Yeah, no, yeah. that was insane. Loved mm-hmm. it. Big standout moment right there. Um. So yeah, the, the end of this one is when Squall. Adia uses his, her limit break on Squall. Yeah, that's right, and we all think he's dead. Yeah, for about 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so this dude's from that point, after the failed assassination attempt, is like when we go to Galbadia Garden, because it's protocol, and then Renoa thinks Cypher's dead, and then we go to... Uh... Oh, no, no, sorry. You get captured, and you get tortured by Cypher. You're in the prison, after another flashback sequence, I should say. And then you go, you escape, you, and then you check on the gardens because missiles have been shot at Tra- Trabia mm. and Balam. And then you go to Balam Garden. Turns out it can fly. <laughs> yeah, no. When you find out that the garden can, I was like, <laughs> I gasped. It was amazing. And plus, it opens up that whole like open world thing again, mm-hmm. and you're like, holy shit. So yeah, one thing about Final Fantasy games is you, like, you pr- progressively get better access to the world map. So you, get, you can always see these places that you can go that you could get to, but you can't quite get there yet. And this is one of those. Ragnarok being the the next one. Side note. Mm. Um, Seed is created by Sid and Adia to mm-hmm. stop Adia. How does he not know that the garden can fly? Because he wasn't the one who built. Like he is the one who built it, but like the the, the Norg, the Shumi that's there, he put up all the money. So like. Sid has the idea, Norg's the one who implements it. And he didn't think to tell anybody that he built it to I th- fly. I might be wrong, I think the building kind of already existed, and it kind of got made into the garden. Does that make sense? Yeah! It just seems like it was a huge... Over- I can sure. understand if, like, the garden was, I don't know, a thousand years old, and it was ancient technology that no one had ever discovered, and blah blah blah, but, like, it was built in yeah, one yeah. lifetime? Sure. Like... Somebody knew this bitch could fly. Like <laughs> well, the part that gets me is like Galbadia gun starts flying immediately after Balam gun starts flying. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, they were like, "Oh, anything you can do, I can do you better." Pretty much. So <laughs> my standout thing for discs two is Adia really wanting to get to alone. Alone's mm-hmm. in Balam Garden, so Galbadian Garden attacks Balam Garden. Some of the best cinematics in all of video games, ever. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. You have two giant buildings crashing into each other. You've got, like, a military on one side that's, like, prepped to do this. So, like, they have, like, 
motorbikes on launching pads and they drive from like they <laughs> they have the launching pads push them off their garden and they soar through the air and land on the other garden they're driving around they've got they've got dudes in robot flying suits that like attach to the other garden and like break in through windows and everything and then like when Balam Gunning goes on the counter offensive and crash into them and spill out into their um areas and you have that scene where you're running past this the pre-rendered cinematic mm-hmm. of this like all these students from these two different gardens fighting they're using magical spells using different types of weapons there's one point where a dude r- rides he's riding this motorbike motorbike and this guy which i think he has a gun blade actually like hits him off of the bike as it's going and this is all happening in just like a couple of seconds as you run past it's fucking so cool, mm, And then you follow that up with this really tense... Like, Renault's dangling off the side of the building. you got to go rescue her. How the fuck are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have that intense, like... Punching match. Yeah, the punching match when you're on the jetpack or the ladder or whatever. And um, then you're, like, flying around to get Renault. Like, it's really tense. Mm-hmm. And it... Oh, it's so cool. There's a point where, like... When you're doing that punching match, it's another one of those things where you're interacting on a pre-rendered cutscene, and at one point, it's a scripted thing, so you'll notice once I won that fight, you kind of just floated around for a while, it's because you could still be fighting. It's actually a time limit. But, like, at one of them, you're dangling from a rope from this, like, flying exoskeleton, I guess. And, like, the garden, for those who... We're talking about, like, a... Like, think of a university that can fly... (laughs) Um, one of the things that makes it fly are these, this spinning disc around the bottom that's like, it looks really pretty, mm. actually. Um, when he's dangling from that thing, at one point, he's right above the spinning disc and you can hear it's like, vroom, 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 and it's like really tense. Yeah, that part's cool as fuck. So cool. Ah. Alright, disc three, we'll go from that fight to everything up until we go into Lunatic Pandora. So everything mm. to do with space, everything to do with Esther. Anything that stood out to you? I didn't there. think the space was going to be cool. The space is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like Renoa walking around like a fucking zombie. Yep, and, you know, the bit where, you know, she's suspended, about to die, and then, oh, magic, oxygen X machina. <laughs> like, that whole bit, again, super tense. Uh, I have a real fear of, like, getting stuck in the middle of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was all just really great. Really cool and beautiful. I didn't expect... I didn't expect to go to space to start No. Although, like, again, one of the things this game suffers from is, like, if you talk to fucking everyone, all these, like, random people... Because I I, gave, I did not give you a tour of this game. Mm. I just went story all the way through. Um, if you like talking to people, like, all of this sort of makes sense. Yeah. And finding that, like, extra spaceship just floating around. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> nice, dude. Especially when you actually explained, like, oh, that's why this is here. Yeah. But the fact that it's they don't... It's It's like... I mean, like, Dark Souls does this on purpose and it works. But it's like having no information in Dark Souls and walking in and then being like, why the fuck is that there? What the fuck is this? Kind of. <laughs> um, what did you think of uh, Sorceress Adele? Oh! Here's something that... There are so many, like, pay attention to this that I never followed up on. Mm. <laughs> Remember when Renoa was like, we gotta go stop the president, and, like, Squall talks down to her, and he's like, you're not using your fucking brain. Yep. And she's like, well, fuck you, and she runs off. Mm. Um, 
And then there's this big screen, and it's got all this red, like, writing on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the writing! So, remember how I said, like, 17 years ago in the story of the game? Or radio stopped working or something. It's because that's when Estar shot Sorceress Adele into space. Oh, I completely forgot about that 100%. Yeah, well, we we did have a gap in playing, so... But um, that's the reason why. That's why there's radio interference. And if you look really... It's hard because um, the graphics aren't great, I mm-hmm. guess. But um, it says things like, free me, or when I become free, I'm going to fuck everything I up. I did see that. I did see that. And I meant to comment on it and then obviously forgot. Yeah, she was like <laughs> communicating through the radio. So she's the cause of it and she's communicating through it. So mm. that's pretty cool. Um... What did I think about? I mean, she wasn't really there for much of it. Um, I thought the the her design was really cool. Mm-hmm. The battle was really cool. Yeah, wish I'd seen more of it. Um, well, that's another thing. I, and we'll we'll end on it. But talking about the difficulty in this game, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I made short work of most fights in the game. I and I say. I loved like the strategy of like she's got Renault strapped to her, so well, you can't. Merged. Yeah, so you can't do any like AOE stuff or like. Anything that would hit Renoa. Yeah. Um, so the strategy of that was really cool. Uh, I don't have much else to add, though. Talk about final plot stuff with Ultimecia. Mm-hmm. So disc four. Um, is there anything that stood out to you when we go to ultimate? Like basically everything having to do with time compression. Uh, I like the whole endless loop thing. I love it when time travel stuff does that. It's mm-hmm. really fun. Um, otherwise, it was just kind of. By the way, there's time travel <laughs> um, or time compression, whatever. Um, it was. I felt... Did you like how abstract it got? I mean, yeah. Um, it, ju- it just kind of, like... I don't know. We had all this build-up, and then it fell a little flat for me. Not okay. completely, but, mm-hmm. like... You know, we just... You, you're lost in space-time, and then you have a really long cutscene, and that's the end of the game. Like... Well, yeah. Uh, but, um... I did like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really like, um... The, the time loop stuff I love... Mm. Um, I don't think I'll go into the conspiracy theory that I love here. I think, like... No, you should! I'd have to go into the entire story of the game to talk about it. Um, but I like all I like all that stuff. Uh, I think... I love how... I, like, anyone who's listening, go watch the final cutscene for this game. Uh, it's so cool. Um, just that... Especially that part where, like, it just plays Renoa walking towards the camera. Like, the same shot over and over and over again, but her face is, like, blacked out. Yeah, no. Or, um, she's 
out of focus this time, or, you know, it's supposed to represent, like, Squall focusing on the person that he cares about, but mm. he can't, like, find her because, like, I'm finding a specific person lost in all of space-time that's all been made one time. I, I think it really succeeds at, like... It's not like... <laughs> it's not like we're doing time travel, so we're falling down a hole and there's floating clocks everywhere. Mm. Um, I feel like it's way more sophisticated than that. Uh... Yeah, you know, I feel like... Because I remember uh, ages ago we were talking about Soma, and I was like, oh, I really love the whole... Um, the, the identity crisis blah, blah, blah thing, and you were like, eh, I've seen it like a billion times, so yeah. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> that was kind of that's okay. where I sit with this whole like abstract time thing because I've seen that done like a billion times when mm -hmm. it comes to time travel stuff. Um, doesn't make it any less awesome and cool, but the impact is a little lost on me. <laughs> um, I did, I did really like it though. How did you feel about the design? And the evolving design of Ultimecia at the end of the game. Nice. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. And I, I, I liked that whole, like, I'm gonna junction with the GF instead of the other way around. Yeah, they become one and, like, you look at the design, really, like, she doesn't have a face, but then, like, also there's, like, a woman upside down. Yeah, that was so thing. neat. Yeah. Um, very good design. Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a very cool fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what, three phases? Three, four phases? Uh, let's see. There's the first phase where you fight her, then you fight Griever, and then she, yeah, she junctions with Griever, and then, yeah, I think that might be the final phase. Mm. And the, the amount of times we had to, like, dice roll who would get to fight her. Yeah, I fucked up, like, because of the way I approached the game, I kind of fucked up. It made, like, all of the game easy, and then it kind of made, like, the end of the game, like, well, I hope I get the right characters, because you don't get to choose your characters at the end of the mm. game. Um, eh, I got through it. That's fine. Also, the thought of, like, when one of your party dies, and then she fucking cupids it into oblivion. Yeah, like, yeah, if one of your characters faints, she can use her next turn to literally remove them from space-time. Yeah, fucked me up, <laughs> man. Oh! Well, she, she, she actually, like, Thor-snaps them out, because they, like, yeah. they actually disappear the same way. Yeah, it was terrifying. Wait, did I say Thor? I meant Thanos-snap. Yeah. <laughs> no, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so... Um... Maybe you can see some of the reasons, uh, I'm gonna go to mechanics in just mm. a second, but I'm just summing up how I feel about it, like, artistically. Hopefully you can see some of the, like, the reasons why I really like Final Fantasy VIII. Absolutely. Uh, it, like I said, it was a real wild ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this, but, because we kind of talked about it in the difficulty in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go into a bit of nerd talk here. So the way the game functions is you have these, like, these GFs that we've been talking about. If you, like, a, let's use the word equip. Uh, if you equip a GF, it basically, the GF can learn a bunch of abilities that um, attach to your stats. So if you level up your GFs in certain ways, you could um, make it so that they open up your health stat and... You, if you have really good spells, you can put spells in the health stat to make you have a shit ton of health. Or you could put uh, specific types of um, spells in the fire... Uh, in the, 
you can put specific types of spells in the strength stat to do either a lot of damage or specific damage. Like if you put a really strong fire spell in the strength, you'll do fire damage when you hit the enemy. It's very mm. open. Um, one of the one of the tutorials at the start of the game is like the T Rex is really scary, but it's it's um, really weak to sleep. So put the sleep spell on your attack on strength, and every time you hit him, you'll put you'll put him to sleep. Oh shit! I'm gonna backtrack a minute. Mm -hmm. um, another standout point for me: that zombie fight where <laughs> you kill it by healing it. Yeah, it's that like was that. so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really neat idea. Um, so, long story short, if you there are ways to engage with the game where you don't get experience, but you get the points that you need to level up the GFs, essentially. Um, there's this mechanic called card, where instead of killing an enemy, you turn them into a card, and you get the points as if you'd killed them, but you don't get XP because you didn't kill them. So if you exploit that, you can never level up and um, basically make the GFs open up all of your stats to... Um, magic, and then you can get magic, really powerful magic in lots of different ways. Uh, I actually didn't exploit it that much, uh, Julia. <laughs> um, there, are, I was not getting like the very high end magic in the game, so I could have been way stronger. Hmm. I guess what I'm saying is like, it gave me the options to do that. I feel like um, if you want to make your, well, and the way this, the reason this works is because the enemy will always scale with you. Um, no matter how strong you get, the enemy will stay rel as relatively strong. So if you can inflate all of your stats, like imagine you leveled up 50 times without ever actually leveling up, you're going to be shitting on everything. Mm. And that happens. We went up to Adia the first time we fought her and I hit her once and she died. <laughs> um, I feel like giving the player the options to engage with it uh, in ways like that is like its own difficulty slider. There's no difficulty choice in this game. You don't go in saying it's easy, normal, or hard. It just is what it is. And depending on how you engage with the systems, it will be hard or easy. And I think that's great. Mm. Uh, just going back to our difficulty in games discussion, um, that's uh, functionally how it works in this game. Mm. This is one of the cool things that I like, both about the podcast and your particular choice. Um, I've never thought about game mechanics, like, mm -hmm. particularly deeply. So having someone, you know, talk through it in that sort of language and talk about the exploits and, you know, how how it all meshes together, very cool for me. It's made, it's changed how I think about games a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a really interesting, like, personal growth kind of thing. It's... It's really yeah, cool, and that's why I really like this choice. And that's why I really like turn-based games, because typically in turn-based games, um, especially with games like Into the Breach, or like Faster Than Light, or things like that, they're very difficult, but you have all the time in the world to engage with it and learn. And um, usually that's backed up by a lot of like seemingly complex mechanics that aren't actually that complex once you become more familiar with them. Uh, that's why I love that genre so much. Okay.
But yeah, I guess, um, I guess unless you had anything else to say about Final Fantasy VIII, I mean, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, I'm not happy to, I want to talk for another three hours about it, but, um... No, I don't have much else to add. I still think you should talk about your conspiracy. Oh, it's the, for anyone who knows, it's the Renora is Ultimecia conspiracy. Very long story short. GFs make you, we mentioned it earlier, GFs make you forget things. There's a point in the game where Squall could get lost to, to, to space-time. It's that whole end cutscene. Renoa has started equipping, uh, junctioning GFs. Um, sorceresses don't age, by the way. It's alluded to that they can't die unless they give on their power to somebody else. Um, so, the, the very bait, this is a very short version. Um, Squall gets lost, Renoa lost, loses the one that she loves, she forgets who it is, but remembers the pain of losing the person that she loved. She knows she needs to go back in time to, like, fix that. She can't f perfect that technology for, like, what must be, like, a couple thousand years. I don't know how far in the future it is, but it's pretty far in the future. And, um, she's going back to the past to try and change things so that she can fix the thing that she can't remember that mm -hmm. she's lost, which is, has to do with Squall. So Renoa is Ultimecia. And there are uh, lots of other things, like they kind of look the same, they both have the same feather wing motif. Like, they they both have wings for their... Like, Ultimecia has wings, and Renoa grows wings for a limit break. It's like, come on. <laughs> um, and the other thing is Ultimecia summons Griever. And we didn't talk about it, but... It, one of the symbols of, like, Renoa's affection for Squall is that she wants to make a copy of his ring. His ring is a symbol of Griever. She never gives the ring back, so if he died, she'd still have it. And, like, the idea is there's a GF inside the ring. The GF is Griever. That's why she summons Griever at the end of the game. The developers said that this is wrong. I don't care. I think the developers are wrong. <laughs> I think the developers are wrong. Um, the reason Griever comes out at the end, according to them, is she, like, plucked something out of Squall's mind to use as, like, a reference point for something for him to fight, and that that's Griever. I like my story way better. Uh, is definitely Ultimecia. They literally overlap their faces in the abstract cutscene at the end. They mm. overlap their faces like they're the same person. It's like, maybe this is the wrong usage, but it's Occam's Razor. <laughs> the um, simplest uh, explanation yeah. is usually the correct one. Even yeah. if the simplest explanation is not what the developers went with. <laughs> I really like it. Um, it also creates... I like specifically... I like time-loop stories, but I specifically like romance time-loop stories. And we've talked about them on the podcast before. I love Steinscape for that. I love Misfits for that. I love Final Fantasy VIII for that, if you believe in this theory. Mm. So. But that's just a theory. Okay! Uh, the <laughs> yeah. No cringe on the podcast. <laughs>
if you want to share your thoughts about Final Fantasy VIII, how would they how would they do that, Julia? Well, Joel, we have an email address. It is jellyjamspam at no jellyjamspampodcast at gmail.com. That's jellyjamspampodcast at gmail.com. Send us mail, please. Uh, and how many chocobos out of ten would you give? And I know you you didn't really play it. You were kind of like a tourist. Oh, I was a tourist. Yeah. I'm giving it ten out of ten chocobos. You give me a t- wait. You're going to give this a ten out of ten chocobos? Yes. I thought it was great. I thought it was, you know, a pretty perfect experience. Um, wow. Despite, you know, what I think about some of the characters. Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm surprised. I'm going to give it, unfortunately, an 8 Chocobo <gasps> out of 10. Uh, How dare I, you? Well, I love this game. It has problems. Um, you have to seek out the story. It's not presented to you very well. Um, mechanically, there are a bunch of problems, which I don't mind, but I can't ignore that they're bad. Sitting there for an hour drawing spells out of a enemy sucks. But you didn't have to do that. It doesn't respect my time. Um, and I don't like that. Um, it's mostly the, when I first played this, I had no fucking clue what was going on. Um, it it doesn't present its story well. There's a lot there and it's really cool. It doesn't present it well at all. Mm. Uh, After this too. Um, and that's a huge letdown. I also want more Laguna. <laughs> I, I, I want to give it a 10. I'm, I can't do it, though. I have to be I have to be real about how I feel about oh, it. Oh, fair so. enough. I wasn't the one who, like, did grinding outside of our playtime. Oh, no, that's great. I, to... Hey, I, I love that <laughs> shit. Because I'm, like, sitting there listening to podcasts. Uh, I don't care. Mm. But, like... It's, it's not the... I don't know. Grinding doesn't bother me. But, like... He, grinding is like running around in circles and killing enemies until they die. Mm. That can feel good. You're getting items, you're getting experience and money. That's not what drawing for spells is. You sit in the same combat, taking like not much damage, and you literally menu to draw, draw a spell from enemy, which spell, this one, do you want to draw it or cast it? I want to draw it. Cool. Um, and if you high roll on the draw, the highest roll is a 9 then you need to do that 10 times for every spell in the game. And do you want me to just go through it? Okay, Fire, Fyra, Fyraga. Blizzard. Uh, Blizzara. Blizzaga. Thunder. There are like 75 different spells in the game or something like that. That's not... It's not respecting my time. So there are a bunch of other mechanics to get around that in the game, but like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um... And most people don't know how to engage with those because they haven't played. If a first-time player doesn't know about refining, like, getting cards or refining magic from cards and then making different types of magic from different types of magic or refining magic from items or spending the copious amounts of money that you've made from the weird salary money system in the game to buy high-end items to refine those into magic. Like, people won't really know how to do this. Mm. Um, that's not good design. It doesn't lead anyone to do those sorts of things, I don't think. Fair enough. Yeah. Alright, tell me what we're doing next time. Uh, I gave this a lot of thought, because after doing... It took such a long time to finish, I was really like, I'm not in the mood for a long thing. But... My bad. 
No, but the, like, there's a lot of things I want, a lot of very personal things I want to do. And you said something to me a few days ago, and I was like, yay, like, why the fuck not? Why the fuck shouldn't I do this thing? So, Joel, the next... I predicted this. <laughs> the next no, nomination. I streamed, I streamed last night, <laughs> and I literally said, this is what Julia will recommend. And I'm about to hear it, so tell me. The nomination is... hear that everybody i'm the fucking nostradamus <laughs> i'm nostradamus go back to the 22nd <laughs> of what month april go yep. to my vod on twitch the 22nd of april and you'll fucking hear i said she's gonna recommend my little pony i fucking knew it dude i have so very much to talk about with my little pony because how much of it is smut none of it well actually maybe two percent is smut um but for background, not only was I a fan when it, like, not quite when it came out, maybe a couple of seasons after, but I'm a collector, so I collect the vintage as well as the modern toys. Yeah, um, I, maybe I should save it for the episode, but I've, she's a psycho. <laughs> I have boxes of boxes. You have very large plastic tubs and tubs and tubs and tubs full of My Little Pony shit. Uh-huh. You are underplaying how much stuff you have. Um, and in the last couple of years, actually, I have detached massively from that. I'm ac- I've been thinking of selling my collection. Part of it is to do with the very obvious, which is the bronies, but... Uh, but part of it is also uh, the show just kind of stopped representing what was good about it. But we'll save this all for the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't wait to talk about it. Neither, actually. Um, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Next time on Jelly Jam Spam, Joel goes on a cutie mark crusade. <laughs> You're just horsing around. Oh, that's a good one. See you next time. See ya.
Want to go clopping, Julia? <laughs> <laughs>